You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for joining me, Sharon Noonan, for tonight's Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. On the programme this evening, we've lots going on, including a unique stuffing recipe, news from the kingdom with Karen Coakley, a.k.a. Kenmare Foodie, details of another great cookbook that's new on the market and one to consider for the Christmas gift wishlist, and another interview about food tours around Ireland. A quick apology tonight to Aisling Brennan from Drumcolliher for getting her name wrong last week. I'm so sorry, Aisling. Aisling won her section in the Easy Food Home Cook Hero competition a few weeks ago. So congratulations again, Aisling. And more congratulations are in order, this time to John Fitzmorris from the Mustard Seed in Ballingarry. John was one of five finalists in the Eurotalk Young Chef of the Year 2014 competition. I was lucky enough to attend the final at the weekend and I will have a report for you next week, including details as to how John got on. Before I introduce my first guest tonight, let me tell you how to get in touch. You can email me s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org, short for organisation. Now, this Thursday is Thanksgiving in America, a huge day of celebration, not only in the US, but also for Americans all over the world. Last year, Iman McDonnell, whose blog you can find on farmet.ie, came in to talk about it. And tonight, another American joins me. Lisa McGee is the founder and creative director of the online Isle magazine, and she is here to share her memories of Thanksgiving in the USA. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Lisa McGee, founder, creative director of Isle Magazine. You're very welcome to the studio this evening. Well, thanks so much for having me. And we're going to talk about Thanksgiving because you are American. I am. So you know it better than, than I certainly do. What <laughs> part of America are you from? Well, I grew up in Connecticut, which is New England on the East Coast. And um, But up until moving, before I moved to Ireland, I lived in New York for 15 years. How long have you been in Ireland? I've been here since 2007, so just over seven years. And you're County Tipperary direction? Yes, I right? live in Nina in Tipperary. Okay. Well, thanks for driving down tonight. And you're going to, first of all, you're going to share your Thanksgiving memories. Like, what was it like growing up whenever it came to Thanksgiving time? Well, I was really lucky, I suppose. I My parents always lived quite close to me. So I was usually always, I'd say 90% at my parents' home in Connecticut. And um, my mother always did very simple Thanksgiving meals. We, we, funnily enough, never had pumpkin pie, which, you know, people think... Oh, Thanksgiving in America, you always have pumpkin pie. But Thanksgiving is a very regional um, holiday in America. So every part of the country has different traditions. And of course, within each family, you have different traditions. So my mother was just, we, we had a very simple meal and it was a traditional turkey. We would always have a stuffing, um, mashed potatoes, usually always had Brussels sprouts and roasted veg and mum usually homemade cranberry sauce. Um, and obviously, if people came and were invited to come, sometimes that's when a pumpkin pie might emerge or a pecan pie. But we would tend to do sort of apple pies or apple crumbles. Um, but it was always just what I love about Thanksgiving. It's not a religious holiday. It was always about family and Every year it would evolve as we got older and we'd bring various people home with us or various parts of the family would always come and join us. And I was really lucky. My parents had a lovely house growing up and it was just a nice tradition. We'd always sort of have 
starters in the kitchen and in the sitting room and it would usually have smoked salmon or something like that and then we'd have um the traditional meal um i don't know if i should even tell this story but one um, year of course being a family that had animals um my mother walked into the kitchen to find the cat on top of the thanksgiving turkey i'd say that has happened many a christmas in an irish (laughs) just carved away some bits and then off we went you know you couldn't throw out the whole turkey and you know but that's you know family life and it's all you know it always involved you know great laughs and we usually tried to have it early so we could go out for walks in the fields or up the road in the woods and stuff like that so and did you find that your mother was in charge of all the cooking or would people bring different dishes she was usually in charge of all the cooking but people would bring desserts um, and that's kind of how I've done Thanksgiving if I host it here in Ireland I love doing all the major parts and then people bring um, dessert or starters and do you celebrate it here yeah well actually we've um, there are three families in Nina where I live and we all lived in New York um, and over a three year period we all moved back to Ireland so we've all been here we were the last to move back in 2007 and every year we alternate between the houses and we all have Thanksgiving and it's now you know it's always on the, the last Thursday of November the kids are in school nobody else in Ireland breaks at the same time but we people know that if there's an event going on no sorry we can't go we're celebrating Thanksgiving and it's lovely because everybody again brings their things that they're sort of known for and I always bring a stuffing um, <clears throat> which I've just sort of become known for bringing and I love making it and it gets improvised and changed slightly every year depending on ingredients and availability so it's a fennel sausage stuffing in fact and you're going to share the recipe more or less the recipe yeah well basically I mean I just um, it actually it was um, I published this recipe in a book I wrote in 2004 called At Home in Nantucket so it was in that book so I've been cooking this recipe for 10 years and um you know, basically, it's it's fennel, it's sausage meat. Um, I always add either um, a couple of apples, chestnuts if I can get them, and usually a cup of either dried or fresh cranberries sometimes. Um, and the recipe is up on the Isle Magazine blog. Um, and basically, the th- but it's funny, I've had to adapt the recipe moving to Ireland because silly things like I don't understand why the breadcrumbs here are so small for stuffing. So we would have big chunks, sort of croutons in America. And I loved, you know, I love sort of a chunky um, stuffing with a bit of texture to it. So I've ended up making my own bread cubes and free have they're already in the freezer, you know, ready to go. Um, and then the sausage meat, funnily enough, I don't really like sort of the plain Irish sausage here. And even if you buy it um, in, a, in a pound roll that's out of the casing, it doesn't cook the same way some of the American sausages did. So sometimes I'll actually buy um, some flavored sausages in casings and then break them up in my stuffing or I'll actually add my own sort of herbs and spices into the sausage meat. Um, you mentioned get, using fresh cranberries there and there is a cranberry <coughs> grower probably quite close to where you yeah, live. Yeah, it's in Offley and I haven't yet visited there but I have bought their cranberries and they're delicious and I usually just pop them in the freezer and then I use them. Um, I actually make my own cranberry sauce for Thanksgiving and Christmas and we'll just stew the cranberries in a tiny bit of... Um, brown sugar and it's a perfect accompaniment with a bit of ginger possibly 
No, details of that recipe, if anybody wants to try it, are on your, your blog or on your website, which is islemagazine.com, isle being I-S-L-E. Just talk us through what you do to, to make it without going into the quantities uh, and um, the detail of it. Just a general run-through of how you, you put it together. You will basically, um, at the basis of so many recipes, of course, would be sautéing some onions. So I do that and also sauté the fennel with that. So basically, it's about two bulbs of fennel. And have you that sliced up? I do, finely. sliced up finely. Um, you know, the recipe calls for three cups of fresh fennel. but That's very American now. I know, it? and I've ta- I know I probably should uh, alter that. All Not at all. <laughs> But whenever I'm doing that, it's like, well, which cup should I use? Do I, I use know. the big mug that I have the coffee in or the, the tiny little Well, they're delicate, measuring cups. Yeah, we? <laughs> one or, yeah I have, I have a, a set of cups now. They are drinking cups, which I use to drink, but I find they're quite good for us. Yeah, well, to keep it simple, you know, two fresh bulbs of fennel, roughly chopped, same as the onion and just saute it over the heat until it's you know nice and soft it takes about 10 minutes and then put that into a mixing bowl to cool off and then you add in your sausage meat depending on what you would do um either the you know the um, minced sausage meat that you can buy um, there's a pound or two cook that through as well and also take that out of the pan so it can drain a bit some of the fat can drain off um And then actually, when they've all cooled down, just put all the the sausage meat, um, the onions and fennel back in your pan. And you could usually, if you put it in a big cast iron pan on the stove, you can then put that straight into the oven afterwards so it can all cook in that. Um, Then just stir in your apples, chestnuts, cranberries. Um, Put in your bread cubes or crumbs, whatever you like consistency-wise. And you're going to add a bit of salt and thyme and uh, sage and pepper and then to give it a nice um, hearty taste I usually add about a cup or let's say what 300 milliliters of port Um, you could add red wine as well and about 300 mils of chicken stock as well and you just stir that all around and then you pop it in the oven 200 degrees uh, for about 45 minutes and you just serve it warm but it's also great cold with leftovers. So you don't use it as a stuffing for the actual turkey? No, I don't. I cook it. I've always cooked my stuffing separately, funnily enough. Um, but this Thanksgiving, I was thinking of actually getting a turkey and having it completely deboned for me and stuff it. Okay. Because there's so much wastage, actually, in turkey. And um, I get the butcher to do it this time. <laughs> yeah, sure. It takes a bit of the labour out of it, though a lot of the... The chefs will be saying, oh, you should be putting those bones now into a big bowl with a few bits and pieces and making your own stock. But and gravy, yes, I know. That's the one thing I've never no, mastered. Tom listening. I'm very sorry, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like a fabulous recipe. So will you be cooking that up this Thursday for Thanksgiving? I will indeed, of course. Everybody's you hosting at your house, did you say? Not this year. I thought I was, but it's going to somewhere else, okay. which is fine. And it's you'll actually... take it with you then? Yes. Okay. And the details are on islemagazine.com. So um, perhaps for Christmas, somebody, one of the listeners might give it a try and let us know how they get on. And we wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you so much. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleite. Thanks to Lisa for coming into the studio and sharing her memories. And we can look forward to her return next week when she's some suggestions for food and drink Christmas gifts. 
Still to come tonight, I talk to Dominique Kemp about her latest cookbook, which is called Dinner. And Zach Gallagher shares his plans to ensure that food tourism is at the top of the agenda for visitors to Ireland in 2015. Next, though, it's time for Kenmare foodie Karen Coakley's news from the Kingdom of Kerry. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. I'm here with Karen Coakley from Kenmare Foodies and she's here with me tonight to give me her monthly report from the Kingdom. How are you, Karen? I'm very good, Sharon. How are you? I'm great and I'm looking forward to all the news that you have for me this evening. Yes, lots of news as always. Um, I'm going to start with a fabulous cafe that I found in Trilly. This first came to my attention during the summer when my first cousin was there with her three young children and she said to me, you've just got to check it out because they have a special dedicated toddler play area which for any mother who is trying to grab a cup of coffee with kids you know the hardest thing is to get them to sit quiet when you have your coffee so yummy cafe market is run by Emer tobin who's a bantry girl and her husband ken they have four kids themselves and i really think that Emer's understanding of what a mother wants when she's out and about with young children transpires in yummy cafe as does her passion for good local produce um, it opened its doors in 2013 and Emer would say it's very quickly established itself as one of Tralee's best daytime restaurants because it suits all ages. Um, when I visited Yummy Market, Yummy Cafe Market, I was delighted to see that they have a very simple approach. They offer freshly made food and I found the atmosphere there was just buzzing that day that I was there having coffee. You know, there was people coming and going and just a fabulous atmosphere. And I think it was raining the same day, so it was just lovely to kind of step inside. It was warm, it was inviting. I loved everything about it. The menu is nice, the prices are affordable. And what I liked also was that they focus on local producers. They work very closely with local curry producers and they also have like an area where you can buy local produce. I know I saw Utterly Nutterly there. Um, that's a range of gluten-free products and she's based in Kinmare. But they also um, use local suppliers. They have Hearties, Jellies, Quinlan's Fish, Terra Foods, Barry's Bakery, Heavenly Baked and Ohanan Gluten-Free as well as Utterly Nutterly. Utterly nutty. <laughs> That's a hard one to say. You don't want to say that no, after a couple of glasses no, of wine. No, no, no. So the menu is, I think, well known for being kid friendly, and it's very, very it's a very varied menu. Um, they have delicious gourmet sandwiches. Um, one that they're proud of is called Chicken Toscana, and their club sandwich apparently is like very popular. And then we all know brunch is becoming a big thing in Ireland. So for brunch lovers like me, they have French toast and creamy porridge. I love French toast. There's so many things you can do with French toast. They also have a good range of fresh salads and baked goods that we have all come to expect these days from, you know, cafe. I think standards are just going up in the country. Um, their daily specials, Emer says, are created using fresh local produce sourced in Kerry, which I think is the way to go, really. I think we need to, as a country, focus in on that. So it's great to see that it's happening in, in the heart of Tralee. It's ideally placed on Dominic Street, which is right in the heart of the shopping area in town. There's a square and it's just off of that. And they're on Facebook, Yummy Cafe, and they're on Twitter at Yummy Cafe Market. And they're definitely worth checking out. And I've been there myself, and you mentioned about the, the play area, and I should add, it is enclosed. It is Like, enclosed. they're fenced in, so you can, you know, you can sit down, choose your you place strategically. You can stay there as long as you like, and they're happy. And it's they're a happy. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. don't know why more places aren't doing it, you know, yeah, so hopefully... I agree with you, yes. It will, it will get out there. Okay. So that's Yummy Cafe in Tralee, and we're moving from that to Wonky Veg. Yes, Wonky Veg, that we ever think we'd see the day. Um, it's Tesco, Wonky Veg. 
I, somebody on Twitter brought to my attention there back during the summer that in France, one of the big supermarket chains had started to promote wonky veg. But obviously in France, it wasn't called wonky veg, but irregular shaped veg, the kind of veg that we all turn our nose up at. Now, anybody who grows knows that veg doesn't come in perfect shapes in like little polythene bags or trays. Veg comes out of the ground in all shapes and sizes. And just because it might have, you know, a carrot, you'd see sometimes a carrot with three stems, it doesn't mean it's bad, it's still the same, but it's just what we're exposed to and what we're used to. So delighted to hear that Tesco are following in the footsteps of the French um, the French chain. And they kind of, they're saying that, look, millions of irregular shaped veg go to waste every year and they're thrown away or put in animal feed. So what they want to do is they want to take these, they want to work with the food producers and they want to sell them in their supermarkets. And I think it's a brilliant idea. They're the first Irish supermarket to commit to working with producers to produce more of this crop. Um, They're starting off with carrots and mushrooms, but we'll be introducing more in time. I think it's a fantastic idea. I mean, there's so much that you can do with wonky veg. Veg, it's still veg. It's, you know, you can casserole it, you can put it into soups, you can, you know, with mushrooms, you can do bruschetta, anything. And something that I think I would love to see progressing from this is that you know, if one of the food companies would actually go around to the schools, to the children, and, you know, promote this within the schools so that you don't, in 10 years' time or 15 years' time, have adults who expect everything to be perfect because that's not how they are. And I think it's just, it's a great initiative. Okay. And next, um, we are looking at... Um, Kerry Food Kerry Story. Food Story. Yes, I received a copy of this myself whenever I was at the Dingle Food Festival. Tell the listeners this is what it is. a brilliant book. The book is free. I think it's in Kerry County Libraries, but you can also email TJ O'Connor in the Culinary and Tourism Department in Truly IT, and I think they will send it out to you. It's over 62 pages long, and it's got a list of over 150 Kerry food producers. And I think it's amazing to think that in Kerry, there is actually 150 local producers who can be listed and have their names put on a book. It lists all the cookery schools in Kerry from Truly IT, Just Cooking, run by Mark Doe, Kerry ETB, which they do the adult education um, courses, Lorge in Kinmare, he runs his chocolate courses, the Lane Cottage Bakery School in Dua. Now, this is one that I wasn't familiar with, but one that I really want to check out. And the Phoenix in Castle, Maine, they run vegetarian courses and hold some fair in Killarney. And, of course, there's the now open Dingle Cookery School, so they're all listed in that. It also gives a list of all the farmers' markets and festivals, useful Kerry websites. And then there's some gorgeous recipes in there by um, Kerry chefs. I think um, Philip Brazel from Sheen Falls has a recipe in there. There's a recipe from Hotel Europe. I think Melanie Harty has something in there as well. So it really is a gem of a book. It's very well produced and put together. And I think it's doing its best to promote what Kerry has, which is a fantastic thing to see. And it's free. It's free. I'd say you can get an online copy of it as well. Yes, there is an online version of it as well. Yes. Okay. All right. And as you say, there's lots of uh, cookery schools and details in there, which at this time of the year, it's something that people might be looking at for Christmas gifts. People are always looking for something to do. And I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, a gift for a cookery school for any one of these, you know, within the county, because they're all within reach. Um, A gift for any, you know, I know for me, it'd be the perfect gift. Okay. We've one more thing to look at, and it's another gem of a place you find in I Castle know, Island again. All these gems, and in Castle Island again. I know the last time was Castle Island, but um, just stopped off, um, had to drop the car to the garage, and went for a coffee. It's called Nana Bees, and I was totally blown away by it. It's the most charming little cafe. It's opened about a month, and it's run by three sisters. It's behind Castle Lighting, and I think their mum actually owns Castle Lighting. Um, it's gorgeous there's like a little gift shop there with beautiful like you know trinkets for the house and 
lovely stuff there um you know for anybody who wants you know to add to their kitchen or like food blogger like me who wants to pick up little pieces for styling with their photographs there's fabulous stuff there I stopped off and I had the most gorgeous flatbread, which was a pizza base, cooked really, really well, topped with tomatoes. There was mushrooms, peppers, onions and cheese on top of that with homemade chips. And it was $7.95 and it really, it was just very, very well done. Simple, but really, really, really good. And I just think that's worth a shout out and worth if somebody's passing just to stop and check it out. Okay. Well, Karen, thanks so much for your report this evening. The details will be up on your blog, kenmarefoodies.com, as will all your different recipes that you cook on a, on a weekly, daily, hourly basis. And on Facebook, there's a lot happening there as well, my okay. Facebook page, Kenmare Foodies. All right, great. Listen, thanks very much for coming in. And the next time you come in, you'll be discussing a Christmas recipe with us. I will us. have, and I have it planned out already, and I can't wait. Okay, we look forward to it. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's programme. If you have just joined us, I was talking Thanksgiving with Lisa McGee of Online Isle magazine. And just before the break, Ken Mayer Foodie, Karen Coakley had lots of Kerry news for us. Never fear if you've missed some of the show as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week along with all the previous 2014 shows. You'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. Still to come tonight, details of events coming up for you to put in your diary and Zach Gallagher talks to me about his plans to put food tours in Ireland on the map in 2015. But next, it's time to go over to the phone and I'm going to chat to my next guest there who has a weekly food column in the Irish Times magazine. Dominique Kemp has been hailed by the Sunday Times as easily the best food writer in Ireland. She's written a number of cookbooks to date and tonight she's on the phone to talk about her latest one. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Dominique Kemp, thanks very much for joining me this evening on the phone. Thank you so much for having me. And we're going to talk about your new book. It's called Dinner. It's 166 recipes and they're all recipes that have been published before in the Irish Times. That's right, yeah. It's almost like a greatest hits, but um, very much geared just for dinner time. You know, there are no desserts in it, no starters, no nothing, no distraction. It is literally um, just 166 recipes all geared at solving your daily conundrum as to what to cook for dinner. So it's very much focused on family dinners. Yeah, I mean, it, I think definitely because I, you know, I, I have two kids and you know I'm busy at work. Um, I think that that it, it's trying to find recipes that sort of fit in with uh, limited time and and um, rather than looking at dishes that you might think, oh, that'd be lovely to cook for a party or a special occasion. They're they're much more practical I would say is a better word to describe them um, and most of them are pretty quick at getting um, on the table from prep time um, although there are some ones that are very quick to prep but maybe slower cooking times which are grand when you do have a couple of hours to get a stew on or ideally even cook it the night before you need it um, while you're actually cooking dinner on the one particular night so it's always about trying to get ahead as well and uh, seeing how you can try and uh, cook for the week as efficiently as possible. Nutrition, taste, flavour, are those very important elements of the recipes? Definitely. Um, I, like, I think that, you know, we have a lot of vegetarian recipes in there. 
um, because certainly, you know, I know at home midweek, a lot of the food we would eat uh, would be vegetarian, kind of treat meat or fish as a, as a treat. Um, and uh, so that that's definitely um, an influence. Um, and, you know, acknowledging that, yes, you know, cooking pasta is very convenient, but, you know, unfortunately... I think we live in a world where we're inundated with a lot of processed carbs morning, noon and night. You know, if people are eating cereal for breakfast and sandwiches for lunch and then pasta for dinner, it, it, it's not necessarily balanced. So um, I think it's trying to, uh, you know, show people that uh, having a good, good balance is important. Give us an example of the recipes that are in there. For example, what would your favourite recipe be? Well, one of the favourites, and um, there's a Six Nations which I really love um, and it was made once uh, once on one Saturday for, for uh, you know a, a match that there were going to be a lot of people sitting around for so it was it was a dish that I created and um, uh, it was just the flavours are great in it because there there's everything from prunes and maple syrup and tamari and um, loads of spices and it's lamb and tomato based and it's just a really delicious stew um, that once you have it, and it always tastes better the next day as well. It's one of those dishes that um, really tastes fantastic. Um, other dishes, um, you know, things that are really quick. There's a dish of prawns and garlic and feta. It's just mega quick to to get on the table. Or things like the lemon sole parcels again, with just loads of um, flaked almonds and a little bit of butter and some herbs. Again, just very quick um, and very satisfying. And I think that's that's what you, you need. You don't need a never-ending list of ingredients and you just don't want to be daunted by a recipe you just want to feel that it's approachable and will do the job well i think that is very very sensible approach to what what you've decided to put in the book but what advice would you give to somebody that's struggling to to serve up nutritious tasty food to their family be it because of time constraints or maybe budgetary constraints well, I think, you know, anyone who's trying to cook at home deserves a good pat on the back and, and they should pat themselves on the back for actually making the effort to cook because I do appreciate it. It's a lot easier not to cook and eat ready meat. You know, it's, it's easier, it takes less time. But ultimately, I think um, people feel better and, and uh, certainly, you know, it's, it's a lot more economical. It might take more time and effort, but, you know, it, you, you get the rewards if you do cook yourself. So, I mean, I always try and say to people look even even on some nights it might just be like a you know piece of grilled chicken or you know that you might just have a side of of uh, broccoli that's just been cooked very briefly in boiling water with a knob of butter you know dinner might be that simple and um, may not be necessarily following a recipe but i think people shouldn't feel bad if the food is like terribly simple i think they kind of think oh it has to be more exotic it has to be more this and that you know, it doesn't. If you're cooking for yourself, that's a brilliant achievement. And then if you're getting inspiration from a recipe and you think, oh, I might, you know, I might try and make that, say, you know, those lamb skewers because I've got loads of lamb mince. Um, so actually, they don't look too hard. And um, I'll make that. Oh, there's a recipe for that, along with the pistachio aioli, which is this really nice sauce that you can make a bit of batch of and it will with, it'll taste great with loads of other things. But you might just start off the lamb skewers and make them and then, you know, another day you might try and, and, and uh, spread it out a bit more. But it, it's really to stop people feeling like if they're not cooking something new every single night that they're doing something wrong, you know. And also to remember that practice makes perfect. You know, chefs cook every single day. That's why we're good at it, you know, and we're good at rescuing things when they've gone wrong and, and making recipes taste better. 
so it comes easy and naturally to us but we do appreciate that it um you know people need to practice and you know if you nail one or two dishes and they just become second nature that you don't even need to look at a book for that's brilliant you must tell us what you had for dinner at home tonight yourself. You know, tonight it is just some grilled salmon and there's going to be roast sweet potatoes and some broccoli. I kid you not, it's very dull this evening. Um, but tonight, because I'm working late tomorrow, I'm going to try and get ahead. So there's a dish that's in the book, this coriander chicken. And it's just a piece of chicken marinated in yogurt and some coriander seeds and fennel. It takes about five minutes to assemble and you leave it marinate overnight and uh, you know uh, my husband or my eldest daughter they can just shove it under the grill and they'll be good to go tomorrow evening and I won't feel be wondering what the, the heck they're eating so you know it's things like that um, you know tonight I'm, I'm cooking something really easy so I can get a bit of prep done for, for a dish tomorrow and that's that's the way to do it you know it's not all not all fancy fancy meals every evening well you've lots of other jobs outside of writing for the irish times and the main one i suppose is it's a bagel it's a business that you have with your sister peaches that's right yeah we've been in business it's has been in business since 1999 actually and and uh, i guess the company has developed and branched out into a lot of uh, different um, food businesses and um, what started off as just one bagel store is now is a very high-end catering division called Feast Catering. We just opened up a lovely juice and whole foods cafe called Alchemy Juice Co. And um, a specialty coffee um, shop in Arnott called Joe's. So it's the, uh, yeah, the business has, has changed over the last 15 years and gone through a lot of change and um, a lot of pain like a lot of companies all throughout the recession. But um we're still here and we've, uh, we've uh, you know, continuing to grow and been fortunate to be able to um, access finance and continue to grow the business. What's it like working with your sister on a daily basis? Uh, it's brilliant. Um, like, of course, naturally, as sisters, we have good scraps and <laughs> they always get sorted out. And, uh, you know, we're very close outside of work as well. We, we're, we hang out a lot. Um, and it's just lovely having that support. You know, we're we're... We have amazing people in the company and around us, but it's it's definitely great having your your partner, someone you trust implicitly, and and who has your back. And uh, you know, I think that's it, it's we're fortunate that the relationship is strong enough uh, to withstand any work pressures. One of the other projects that you were involved in recently was the Taste of Success with Paul Flynn. That's right. Yeah, we we filmed uh, a lot of that uh, earlier this year and uh, it's been fantastic so uh, the the episode that uh, I was first on was last week so I think um, tonight uh, it's Martin Shanahan um, and uh, it's uh, yeah it just it gets gets more inciting closer closer to the end that we get to the final so um, it's a fantastic prize that uh, Lidl have, have uh, come up with and um, yeah it's a, it's a lovely idea a lovely competition that somebody's sort of passion or home product or something that they, they make regularly could actually end up being produced to such an extent that it'll end up on, on a supermarket shelf and, and be a huge, huge success. It's great. But I must say, Paul Flynn comes across as being very, very hard to please. Oh, that's, I can't believe that. He's, he's, uh, no, he's a teddy bear in, uh, in truth. He, he, is, uh, he is, he's great. He's, he's really he's good fun. And uh, I think, you know, it all depends what way things are edited. But no, he's he's very passionate, I think, about good food and flavor and, and so on. And, and, you know, in fairness, it is a competition. And, 
you know, you can't, not everything is going to be wonderful. So uh, I think, you know, he has to be critical. He can't, can't be saying it's all fabulous and, and uh, because people have to get eliminated at every stage. Well, talking about elimination in a kind of a, an untoward way, I um, I read in a, an interview that you did a number of years ago, I'd say it was, whenever you were, you were asked, who would you most like to have dinner with? You said George Clooney. Did so I say that? yeah, so I have to ask you: Were you absolutely gutted when he tied the knot there I recently? I said I'm surprised. I would have said that. Um, yeah, I mean he is terribly handsome. But, he is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I definitely wasn't ever <laughs> when he got married. I'm amazed. I think I, one of those ones. I thought I had um, uh, Camilla Parker. She was in it as well. Yeah, she was in it as well. I'd yeah. imagine she's a hoot. Um, so uh, yeah, you could imagine her after a few sherries probably have great stories to tell. Well, listen, it's been lovely to talk to you. Your book is called Dinner. Where can listeners get their hands on it? Um, you can get it at all good bookstores. It's, uh, it, it should be widely available. Um, and if not, there's always Amazon, but it's definitely widely available in all, all the shops. And the perfect Christmas gift. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I know it's, it's, uh, it's been great. And in fairness, the, the, the production is lovely on us. It's a lovely looking book um, and a nice... Nice size, so a definite good stocking filler. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Dominic. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Dominique Kemp about her latest cookbook which is called Dinner and another one for the wish list this Christmas. If you're looking for inspiration with your pending Christmas shopping we'll have some help for you next week when Lisa McGee, founder and creative director of Online Isle magazine returns to the show to reveal her top Irish food and drink gifts for 2014. The diary is still to come tonight, but before that, I have an interview from the Dingle Food Festival to share with you. I met some wonderful people when I was there, and one of them was a fellow Ulster person, man. Zach Gallagher is from Donegal and has many strings to his bow, including his website, irishfoodguide.ie. I was delighted to chat with him in Dingle, so let's have a listen to what he told me. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Zach, you're a bit of a food blogger, you're a Fulcher Ireland ambassador, you're lots of things in the food industry. Tell me about a typical day. Well, I'm a chef by trade and I've been working for 27 years in the commercial catering industry and I've one of those heads that comes up with little harebrained schemes and ideas and I try to make them work and some do and some don't. And about 2007 I started a food blog called the Irish Food Guide blog and I was just sharing information. I, my, my dad was a printer. My background in the family would be in media, so social media was a natural progression into, into media for me. And my hobby as a blog, I have developed into networking with food producers, restaurateurs, and accommodation providers all over Ireland. And about three years ago, a little plan hatched in my head that why don't we take all this and put it together as a food tour offering for guests that come into Ireland. You see it all over Ireland, you see it all over the world. And we have some of the best produce in the world here now and I think we've actually reignited a pride in our food and a pride in our cookery 
style here that we had kind of forgotten about for a long time. When I was growing up as a chef, um, it was the classical French style of cooking that we were taught in the colleges, which is still taught in the colleges. And only in the last 20 years or so, Myrtle Allen, being one of the, the grand dams of the, the Irish modern food, um, pride is the word I would use, the pride in your style, the pride in your own traditional heritage and cooking, um, kind of inspired me years and years ago to go out looking for the stuff that we have. If you don't have it, don't put it on the menu, don't get it in from somewhere else, don't put the air miles on it. So over the last couple of years, I've been building networks with food producers all over the country through social media, through Twitter, Irish Food Guide on Twitter, and promoting small producers that are looking for a way to get their, their product out through the Irish Food Guide blog. And a natural progression of that was to put them together as food tours, um, taking people around to meet the producers, to meet the smoked salmon smokers, to meet the pig farmers, to meet the bread makers, and let them hear the story behind the product and behind the person and then maybe eat the food that they saw being made later on that day in a restaurant. So I've been working uh, on a new business called Ivy's Food Tours and what I've been doing is putting together tour operators uh, abroad with the connections to the food producers and the restaurant tours and accommodation providers here in Ireland. And there are lots of people doing small tours all over Ireland at the moment and what my plan has been over the last two years is to bring all those people under one umbrella called Irish Food Tours and sell the concept of a food tour to incoming tour operators so they can sell the uh, new product of a food tour to um, tourists that want to come into Ireland. And I think my timing is very good because over the last couple of years food tourism has become high on the agenda with Fulch Ireland. Bordbia are on board with it. The Wild Atlantic Way this last year and a half. I'm one of the food ambassadors for Fulch Island on the Wild Atlantic Way. I'm based out of Donegal Town, so um, I'd be up there sitting on my kitchen table, working away, talking to people and explaining little things like you need toilets for a bus of 52 when it lands because they've just travelled three hours to get there, you know. So I've been helping people develop what they need, what the skills to have on the ground when, when the tour buses arrive. And I've been lucky to get some mentorship from Fulcher Ireland over the last eight months. And I'm um, working over the, over the winter now, coming, uh, presenting to tour operators and incoming tour operators um, so that they can offer the option of a food tour when people say, well, I want to go to Ireland next year. What have you got? They'll be able to say, we now can offer you a food tour. So next year, if I'm an American next year and I want to come to Ireland and I want to see all the lovely food that's available, but actually go and see where it's produced, where it's made and meet the people that do it, I'll be able to book that online through an American tour operator. That is the intention, yeah. I don't want to be selling tours to people. I'm not a tour operator myself. The tour operators, that's their business. They're very good at it. So I've been pitching the whole concept to tour operators and let them sell it on then to the consumers that want to come to Ireland and meet the producers. So we could describe you as a facilitator? That's exactly what I would describe myself as, yes. And you're also, as you said, an ambassador, food ambassador for Fulcher Ireland. What does that involve? Uh, there's been over the last two years with the development of the Wild Atlantic Way, Fulcher Ireland have approached um, the food community down the west coast of Ireland and asked them to nominate people who they feel would be good ambassadors 
for the West Coast's food um, product and development as food tourism down the road with the, with the development of the Wild Atlantic Way. Here in Dingle, where we are this weekend, Martin Beelan is also one of the Wild Atlantic Way food ambassador for Fulch Ireland. And between him and the South and in Dingle and me up in Donegal and all the connections we have between that, the object of, of being a food ambassador for Fulch Ireland is to get people to move down the West Coast coast to get people to link up to send people down the country to send people up the country not to be holding on to them into the one spot to get them to, to, to share their experiences down the, the west coast down the wild atlantic way and then gradually in years to come through the rest of ireland there are plans afoot for the copper coast down towards dungarvan and the midlands and i believe that for food tourism to work as it should work in the future we need to be selling Ireland, Ireland as a food island, incorporating all 32 counties, north and south. The buses go through what used to be the border up into the Antrim, up into Bushmills, up into Armagh, see the apples, round into Donegal, down the west coast and back in towards Dublin again. So we should be selling Ireland as a, as a food island. You mentioned Dungarvan there and the Copper Coast, and there is a bit of controversy that the Wild Atlantic Way didn't extend the whole way round. How do you feel about that? I think that uh, the Wild Atlantic Way route as it has been planned is a good thing the way it has been. I don't think if we if we had brought the Wild Atlantic Way the whole way around of Ireland, there would have been nothing special about it. Uh, I know that Fulci Ireland have a lot of money uh, and invested in over the next year or so developing the Copper Coast as it's called at the moment. I know Paul Flynn was on the, the radio last week and I think they're going to run a competition for a new name, but I think the Copper Coast is a great name. So that in years to come, people will be going, well, I'm going to do the Wild Atlantic Way this year. Next year, I'll do the Copper Coast. The year after that, I'll do the East Coast. Then we'll jump into the Midlands. Then we'll take in Northern Ireland. And we'll come back and do it all over again in a few years' time. If I'm a visitor coming to Ireland and I say to you, right, I've only time to go and see six producers on the Wild Atlantic Way, which six are you going to highlight to me? There's beads of sweat forming in your brow there, Zach. I wouldn't like to pinpoint six particular producers. There, there are some of the best smoked salmon producers down the west coast. Down here around the south coast, we have some of the best cheesemakers in the country. Um, up, I thought, I'll just be honest with you, I thought there were more cheesemakers in Mayo than there are. There's only one, Caraholi, at Knackle Island. But they sell the concept so well. Um, the Greenway over near Westport and Newport, you have black pudding makers popping out of the woodwork over there. Up in Donegal, we've got some great bread makers. We've got a couple of amazing craft brewers up in Donegal. We don't have a cheesemaker. If you know of a cheesemaker looking to Don- move to Donegal, our County Enterprise Board at the moment is, is willing to help somebody get started. There's a gap in the markets there for cheese in Donegal. I, there is. There's a gap in the market for, for cheese all over Ireland. And even the craft beer debate, people are saying, oh, there's enough of it going on. I don't. I believe there's enough room in the market in Ireland for at least five craft brewers in each county. Um, supporting your local. The money goes back into the economy, creates more jobs, makes much better beer. What's your favourite craft beer? I have to be biased, and I think uh, Donegal Blonde or Kinnegar from Donegal are top class. And I love the Metal Man and down in Waterford. What do you think of this Tom Crean beer that we're tasting here? 
I think it's not bad too. I think it's good. Cheers, Zach. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks very much. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Thanks again to Zach. And have a look at his website, irishfoodguide.ie, to keep up to date with his progress. Now it's time to look at some events coming up and a good place to check out what's happening is discoverireland.ie forward slash food. As you know, Helen McDade from Falter Ireland keeps us up to date with what's coming up at the start of the month and details of the events she highlights can be found there on that website. I must give you a final reminder that Ron Forrestal's Wine Fair is on this Friday in the Golf Club in Arda. I suspect it could be sold out by now, but you can contact Ron through his Forrestal Wine Merchant Facebook page or forrestal.ie to find out, and you never know, he might have a waiting list there. If you're in the Tralee area call in to the Manor West Shopping Centre on Saturday or Sunday and there you can enjoy the Taste of Kerry Showcase that will feature lots of wonderful producers from the region. Check out a few of these websites then for details of courses. Justcooking.ie, as you know, Mark Doe there. He does um, quite a few good courses and I think he's at one coming up called Big Chef, Little Chef. So you can learn to cook with your little one. Milagallery.ie has details of courses that are coming up and they have lots of festive themed cooking with Roseanne Stevens in the pipeline. Hook and Ladder and Limerick also have some great Christmas themed courses coming up so visit their website for details hookandladder.ie And finally if you would like to enjoy a little magic this Christmas check out the little outdoor Christmas markets. I spoke to Eleanor Byrne earlier on and she told me a bit more about it. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Eleanor Byrne from Little, thanks for joining me this evening. Thank you very much, Sharon. You're going to tell us a bit about the Christmas markets that Little are putting on this year. Yes, we have a very exciting travelling Christmas market which is kicking off in Galway um, and will arrive in Limerick on Thursday the 4th of December at the Hunt Museum. And why is Little doing a Christmas market? Well, um, if you're familiar with any of our stores, we, we, we go big on Christmas. Um, it's something that all of the staff here enjoy as well. Um, and it's just, I suppose, a chance for us to, to bring it a little bit outside the store and um, a chance for families to have some fun with our products. What can people expect to see whenever they arrive at one of the markets? They will see a fantastic Christmas carousel and a magic letter drop where children can drop off their letters to Santa. Uh, Santa will be there himself um, with presents in tow. Uh, We have our elves and we have the very best of kind of um, our continental selection and some Irish treats as well. And will you have producers that supply to Little there or will it be Little staff manning the stalls? There'll be staff, yes. Little staff on the stands, um, our own elves will be there um, manning the counters. So is it a bit like a pop-up shop, really? A little bit, I suppose, but just going beyond that in that we're serving hot drinks and um, burgers, traditional bratwurst, um, really, I suppose, bringing the continental feel, um, but but with some, some uh, an Irish twist, I suppose. And you're actually going to do this in part for charity? Yes, um, all the proceeds from our carousel, um, which is two euros per go, um, and from Santa Claus, which is eight euros per visit, um, is going to our charity partner, Barrett's Town. And if people want to go to Santa, do they need to book that? 
Yes, you can pre-book online, which we do recommend. Um, you can book your slot online um, and just pay cash on the day. Um, and then the carousel will be available at all times. So you're going to be in Galway this weekend, which is the, the 27th of, or 28th of um, November. Um, Dublin, actually, sorry. Oh. Then um, Dublin, 27th to 30th, and we'll be arriving in Limerick on the 4th of December. And you're going to be in Belfast as well? Yes, the following weekend. Important to say that now yeah. for our Northern Irish listeners. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if people want to find out more, where can they get the information? If you want to find out more, um, you can check out our in-store leaflets and our Christmas brochures and also to book your slot with Santa and, and find out about times and things, you can go on to LidlChristmasMarkets.com. And speaking of stores, I think we should just let people know that the Newcastle West store is going to be reopening this Thursday. This Thursday, exactly, just in time for Christmas. Um, so we're, we'll be delighted to welcome all our regular customers back on Thursday. That's super. Eleanor, thanks so much for your time. No problem at all. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. That was Eleanor from Lidl and news just in that Francis Brennan of At Your Service fame and of course the fabulous Kenmare Park Hotel, he's going to be in Newcastle West Bookshop tomorrow week. So that is Wednesday the 3rd of December. He'll be there at 5.30pm and uh, the reason he's there is he has a book out called it's the little things, Francis Brannan's guide to the elegant life. So be sure to go along there and meet him, pick up a copy of his book, get it signed, get a picture with him and all that jazz. Another Christmas present idea. Please keep sending me details of your cookery demos, food courses, product launches and fundraisers to s.noonan at live.ie and I'll be only too delighted to give them a shout out here on the diary on Best Possible Taste. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Now, that brings us to the end of tonight's show, the last one in November. So from next week, given that we will officially be in the Christmas season, you can look forward to lots of festive-themed interviews to get you all set for Christmas Day. Thanks for listening tonight and... Thanks, as always, to my guests, Lisa McGee, Karen Coakley, Dominique Kemp, Eleanor Byrne and Zach Gallagher. Tonight's show will be up on the podcast, soundcloud.com, food and drink show, in the next day or two, so keep an eye out for it. Until next week, please take care, mind yourself, wrap up warm, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!